Welcome to Day Zero Update for January 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Red Victoria. And yeah, kind of like last week, we don't have a ton of news here, but we do have the big one. Yeah, the bombshell. The one that sent ripples throughout the industry. That's for as big as it is, it leaves everybody with tons of questions because it is a huge thing that will not finish for at least a year or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll tell you more about that. Uh, we got a bunch of dates for games. Oh, yeah. That are on the way. Uh, some stuff for the Switch that is coming out here in the next. Uh, let's see, one's coming out next month and one's been delayed. Uh, there's a couple more things here to talk about. Uh, we got a couple more things for uh, the various uh, services out there that we'll get to, and that's kind of it. There's not a whole lot still going on here in January other than the one big one, but before we get to that, we'll talk about what we've been playing, and I'll kick it off here. Uh, I have gotten the Platinum Trophy in Car Demolition Clicker that thankfully is done with. Uh the fun thing is, once I got the Platinum Trophy, it popped. It was loading into the next level, and then the game crashed. So I was like, oh, perfect. Uh, just let it close and deleted it and moved on. After getting the thing I wanted out of that, so that was uh, nice, a nice finish to that. Then I started playing another game that I got from uh, the recent holiday sales, Toem. Mm-hmm. T-O-E-M is an indie game that is a very chill kind of uh, fun experience where you are this kid who is sort of going out on a, like a rite of passage uh, to experience Tome, mm-hmm. which I assume is some sort of uh, thing that you're going to uh, visit and sort of have some sort of experience with. I don't know. Mm. Uh, but in each of the areas you go to, you kind of talk to people, uh, you get various quests for mm. things they want you, uh, to get for them. Or for the most part, it's you taking pictures cause you are sort of a test with a, you know, camera that you mm-hmm. are going around taking pictures with, you know, you got uh, a little bit of options to mess around with the picture. You can even do like a selfie mode version of those pictures that are uh, pretty fun. So there's some, some fun stuff there. Uh, a lot of it is kind of adventure. Oh, I need this, you know, I'm looking for this thing. Can you find it and take a picture of it for me? Kind of thing. Uh, there's some photo challenges in each area that you get. They're like, Oh, you need to give me pictures of these things. Uh, the one I have right now in one of the areas that is, uh, they're just like, I need to take a picture of a farmer, and I'm not sure if I know what the hell that means mm. uh, at the moment. Uh, but there's some some fun little quests, uh, a lot of you know fun ways that they play around with uh, the the way the game works. You know, there's a couple times where it's like, I need you to take a picture of my hotel. It's a big ass thing that you know you try and move as far away as you can in the area to take a picture of it. And he's like, Nah, it's not really uh, a great picture uh, there's lookouts though that you have to go like a few screen screen uh screens away to kind of find and then uh it shows that in the the background of sorts 
uh, despite sort of the normal way things look, uh, you kind of oh. just see the immediate area uh, for that stuff. But uh, for some of these, they definitely have some some fun ways of building in background detail that they don't normally. Uh, but it's a it's a fun, cute little game. Uh, they have some music in there. I think it's all uh, original stuff. Uh, but you do get like tapes for that stuff to put in your uh, little tape deck that you can have it play. Uh, as you're going around. Uh, yeah, it seems like it's not going to be a terribly difficult game. I'm going to probably try and get a platinum trophy in that one. Uh, probably won't be more than a five or six hours, I think. About yeah. three hours in right now. It's more just looking around and figuring out uh, what you need to do to complete some of these quests. And they they tell you like up front how many are in the area, and you usually have to get about half of those to able to just move on to the next area if you want uh but you but i've been mostly staying behind outside of a handful of quests that are just kind of long-term ones you get one in your hometown it's just like uh experience toem it's like oh that's gonna be like you know you get to the end and then you have to go back home and show show your mom pictures of what you were doing that kind of thing i think uh so that'll be uh, a fun little thing uh, I've also been playing some Hades on PS5, kind of jumping back into that, uh, making some good runs. I'm still in the early parts. I just finished unlocking all the weapons for that and start opening up the ability to upgrade the weapons a little bit with some of the Titan's blood uh, for that. So doing pretty okay. I'm still able to get to the third area, Elysium, yeah. fairly uh, confidently outside of when I'm just because usually I'm just taking the weapon that has the the bonus of the purple gems uh, right. for that. So uh, sometimes just not getting good run with good perks for that stuff yeah. to make it sort of what I want. Uh, but on occasion, doing pretty well. And I've gotten to the, the boss of Elysium once and did okay, just kind of ran out of steam. But yeah, with that kind of game, you're able to... You know, build your stats up in such a way that you can kind of make it easier to get further and further as you get better at the game. So, still kind of working on that stuff with that game. Uh, I've been yeah. playing some more Yakuza Like a Dragon. Still in chapter five, as this doesn't seem like a chapter that will ever end. Yeah. I'm about like 23, 24 hours into the game at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's the infamous chapter 12, and I'm not even halfway through the game yet. <laughs> well, that's not even the end of the game. I yeah. think there's still a bit after that, but that's like a, a notable point where there's, if you've been doing a decent amount of grinding up to that point, then you've got uh, less to do there, but uh, it's where a lot of people have been getting stuck at. And so I'm still here in Chapter 5 doing a lot of the part-time hero stuff yeah. with that, which is still pretty fun i had to do this series of quests where this dude keeps going to public restrooms that apparently don't have toilet paper so he asks you to bring these uh pocket tissues to him mm. so he can wipe his butt and it's percussively more tissues each time and in various places around the the map mm. that are like uh i think the after the the third time, he's like, well, statistically, if you do this two time, do a thing two times, you're most likely going to have to do it a third time. Yeah. As he's like, ex trying to find excuses for him constantly getting into this situation. And one of them is at a restaurant. 
that you can go into. And he's like, how the hell does a restaurant not have toilet paper? Mm. Isn't there, you know, all these check-ins that they're supposed to be getting from the government, this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes they just run out of toilet paper. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's some fun stuff. I finally got the ability to change jobs. So I've done that with everybody. And that is mm. a, a hell of a thing for the ones that they, that I had available to me at that point, which a lot of them were like, oh, you, you can be a beat boy. And now you do uh, sort of weird dance moves to attack people. Uh, I think two of them I have on bodyguard duty. So they have just katanas that they could just slash people with or stick them with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think my, now that I have a fourth member in my party, yeah, it takes you like 20 hours to get the fourth member in your party. Mm. Uh, she is a hostess job now. Mm-hmm. So she just has like a, a little like pocketbook purse kind of thing. Mm. that she just slaps people with, that is just a pretty good time. So, yeah, enjoying my time. Still plugging along with that. Uh, also been playing another game I got in one of the recent holiday sales, Forager, mm. uh, which is a kind of a crafting survival, like harvesting kind of game to it. As you kind of start out, you're you know using your pickaxe to you know cut down trees and bust up rocks and all these other things that oh, yeah. uh, you are. Gathering materials so you can build, you know, uh, a forge so that you can build, you know, the next crafting table and the next one and the next one. And you're getting, as you level up, you get uh, skill points you can put down that allows you to maybe get more out of uh, the resources you have or other uh, sort of crafting tables or other points of interest like markets and all this other stuff as it sort of goes out and you're kind of in this and it's interesting the way it does all this. Cause you're kind of starting off in one block of uh, land that as you earn coins, you can buy nearby uh, pieces of land to add onto it. And they're still kind of playing them off as like islands that you can link together with, you know, a wooden bridge you can put between them, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you have enemies, pop on every so often like slimes I see uh, some skeletons and stuff like that that uh, you want to kill because you get more XP out of that stuff and more money and yeah it's kind of just that that kind of game where you just kind of keep building up and up and up as you mm. go on uh, fun little game uh, definitely going to put some more time into that but that is a that is not an easy like trophy or achievement game because I think all the ones I saw were uh, you know Unlock all of this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. doing all of these different types of things that it has in there uh, that are, and nothing really that are like, I do a thing that you do at the beginning of the game. Nothing like that. So I put a couple hours into that and don't even have a a trophy yet. Mm. A lot of it's all like late game stuff. So that's one you definitely have to invest uh, a good bit of time into that. Uh, but that's still fun. I think it came out maybe two years ago, something like that. Uh, so that's worth checking out. And uh, the last one here is Nobody Saves the World, mm-hmm. uh, the newest game from Drinkbox Studios, makers of, uh, what is it, Guacamelee, uh, Severed, uh, the Monsters, Monster, what? Uh, Tales from Space, Mutant Blobs Attack, I think it is, that sort of stuff they've done. This is their newest game, which is 
very much inspired by Zelda, but a bit more of a freeform, uh, kind of a comedic action adventure kind of game where mm-hmm. you're playing a nobody, just this like nondescript white dude with like black eyes that, uh, as you're doing some of the stuff early on, you're like, why do you have no clothes on? What's mm-hmm. going on? You just woke up in this shack, uh, not knowing what's going on. Uh, but then you get to this uh, dungeon area as you get locked up, and uh, you f- you know figure out that you can sort of uh, change your form into that of a mouse, and you go through this mm-hmm. little mouse hole, uh, go through this like dungeon area, doing attacks and such, and you're kind of constantly getting quests uh, to do that you know you can turn in uh, at any point once you're done. And a lot of it's sort of based around abilities that you have. So a lot of the early stuff you get with the mouse is like, oh, if you keep doing your bite attack, uh, the enemy will reach a point where they become poisoned as you mm. fill up this like attack meter you do on them kind of stuff. And then you get the ability to kind of do a like a chomp attack that gives you health back uh, for taking a bunch of their damage that kind of stuff. So there's uh, a lot of little quests you get. And then once you sort of get through this whole area, uh, you have two more forms you can get and you sort of have to complete these quests just to get out of the dungeon. So there was one of them I didn't get completed because I didn't really understand the mechanic all that well. They don't really explain much of it to you uh, as you're doing it. So it's kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, I had to, kind of figure it out on my own why it wasn't registering as much as I thought it was because you had to fill up this meter that it wasn't that's explaining super well to you but then you know once you do that you get these other forms which is of a uh, you know like a ranger form which looks more like a you know flink head a bow and dead black eyes uh, to them uh, and there's like a a guard Sort of looks like he has like a shield on him and a sword, that kind of thing. So you're kind of uh, only getting really out, just outside of the 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 main first area. So uh, that's about as much as I've done. But it seems pretty neat. Very much a kind of grindy game as you're playing in these different forms to gain XP as you complete these quests and then upgrade them so they get more abilities to do more things so you can get further into the game. That kind of stuff. Mm. Looking forward to see like what other forms there are because I've heard there's some pretty ridiculous ones that uh, if you kind of use them the right way, you can kind of just break the game, make it a very kind of uh, ridiculous kind of game. So, which is not exactly something I wouldn't expect out of a out of a drink box title. So, mm. that's been pretty nice. That is on Game Pass uh, for PC and Xbox as well as it's on Steam. So you can check that out. And uh, that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Oh, well, I've still been enjoying Series X, and I've mostly been indulging in Halo. I finished the campaign for Halo Infinite, uh, which means I now have to go back and do all the side stuff. Basically, you know, getting all the dispatch areas, uh, taking out the armories, rescuing fellow soldiers, all that type of stuff. But that last bit of the campaign is very not easy. It's especially because basically you've got these two giant like 
boss battles that you have to do, which in this game, boss battles are already extremely, extremely hard because you have to deal with the fact that, you know, the person you're fighting against, a lot of times they'll have a weapon that can kill you if you want into, if not just one hit. Um, Usually they'll have, you know, one of the plasma swords or they'll have hammers. Uh, but you also have to deal with the fact that they often have very powerful shields as well, and you can't really hurt any of these guys until their shields get down. And depending on what weapons you have on hand, that can either be somewhat of a nuisance or extremely difficult. Um, and then on top of that, they often usually have, you know, other enemies that'll come in to help them. And with the last one, that's especially difficult because they come in like three waves and the last boss is already pretty difficult on her own because she can like phase in and out all over the place. So it's really hard to get a single, you know, shot on her. But every so often she'll build, rebuild her shield. And when that happens, she'll send out like another wave of basically all the enemies in the game minus the hunters. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad to have that part done with. Um, and I've also been indulging in the Master Chief Collection as well, because I never really got a chance to play Halo 4 and 5. I got to play a little bit of Halo 4 back in the day before my Xbox One sort of kicked the bucket. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, it's just I'm glad to be able to play Halo kind of the thing here. And yeah, I'm still playing Hades and remnant and the other stuff but mostly it's been halo this last week uh yeah so uh dan reb what about you yeah i honestly haven't been playing a whole lot because um yeah my weekending so yeah not a whole lot um i did get my hands on a review code windjammers 2 Mm -hmm. and as of right now there isn't a whole lot to say about it if you know about windjammers so yeah i mean i've played it before it's yeah it's a it's a one-on-one frisbee game and it's like Pong to the max with all these super abilities. So think of like yeah. a fighting game, but you know with with um discs. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. I'm I'm playing it on Switch right now, and yeah, it's 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 been developed by Dodimu, uh, the same folks that you know did the uh, Streets of Rage, um, revival, and uh, all that stuff. So like visually, it's fantastic. Um, I haven't seen much buzz on the internet whether like you know the Switch version is inferior to like what's available on the consoles but yeah like the game is available everywhere um as of friday and it's, it's also available on, on xbox game pass so uh brandon that, that's another thing that for you to get, get on like if you want to try it out mm-hmm. so um yeah that's about it i'm waiting on a review code for another game coming out soon and i'm also uh looking forward to pokemon coming out this week so yeah. all right so yeah let's uh get to some news here mm-hmm uh, since it's still January, we still have some more Game Pass stuff coming here mm-hmm. over the next week or so. Uh, they have announced sort of what that is going to be. Let's see. Uh, Nobody Saves the World's on here. Uh, out now as of us taping this, uh, recording mm-hmm. this. Uh, let's see. Also out now for console and PC is Danganronpa, Trigger Happy, Habit, Trigger Happy Havoc Anniversary Edition. Yeah, that's the original uh, sort of re- kind of redone. The, yeah, the first game. Yeah, uh, let's see. Death Store is on there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hitman Trilogy. We mentioned that last week. That was going to be on there. 
Uh, this yep. let's see, Paparazzi, mm-hmm. the sort of dog photography game. Yep. That looks pretty cute and cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, there's also Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Extraction mm-hmm. that is out as of now for yeah console and PC. And yeah, I haven't heard much really positive about that game. Not like, not even really all that much negative either. It's just like, ah, eh, it exists. Yeah. You can do things with it mm-hmm. uh, if you care. But if not, cool. Like it's coming out right in the middle of all these others of the sort of Left 4 Dead style cooperative against you know AI enemies kind of games. Mm-hmm. You know, with Back for Blood, uh, the Anacrusis just came out last week mm-hmm. on Game Pass in early access, and that seems to be more in line with what Left 4 Dead people kind of want mm-hmm. uh, for that. And this one comes in; it's like it's more about sneaking uh, as well as uh aliens so kind of a bit of a different vibe for it but yeah the the little bit i played of it seems it seems fine mm-hmm. it's 40 bucks i think for a reason mm. uh so yeah there's that uh let's see rainbow six siege deluxe edition for pc is on game pass now mm-hmm. uh windjammers 2 as dan red mentioned console and pc and yeah also sort of a Surprise announcement, it's Taiko no Tatsujin, the drum master, mm-hmm. is coming to Game Pass on console and PC January 27th. I think this mm. is sort of a new release as well. Yep. Uh, I've been, I played a good bit of that on PS4, and that game is a lot of fun. Mm. It has a, a, lot of, a lot of music in there. They say over 70 songs here. Uh, you can play with friends in local or online matches. Like the online matches are against AI. Mm hmm. I think it just takes uh, performances you've done and just puts that in the cloud as something others can play against, mm-hmm. uh, from what I can remember. Uh, but yeah, it even has some weird like licensed music in there, like the Japanese version of uh, Let It Go. Because mm-hmm. it's a Japanese game, first and foremost, so they didn't yep. get the English version. Uh, still very good for that kind of stuff, but yeah, you get some... Mm-hmm. Songs like of that kind of caliber, not really anything like popular, real popular music out of there, but definitely some Namco, some Bandai Namco stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it is DLC to mm. pay for. So. But you can check that out on the 27th, which will be, I think, this Thursday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that uh, for the most part. Yeah, I guess they'll be having far changing tides on Game Pass on March 1st, and they have you can pre-install it now if you want. Uh, but yeah, let's see. Yeah, they got some special items for Halo Infinite multiplayer. You know, a very green Warthog and mm-hmm. some gun skin stuff, so if you didn't think that was green enough in the game, uh, you can make mm-hmm. it more green. As well as some challenge swaps and double XP things. So mm-hmm. that's it for the most part. Uh, let's see. It seems like leaving by the end of the month, cyber shadow, nowhere profit prison architect on PC and Xeno crisis on console and PC. Mm. So there's a couple of games that are coming down, but uh, that's been, that's pretty much it there. 
Uh, also happening this week on Epic Game Store, their free game for uh, the week coming up as of January 27th is Damon X Machina. Mm-hmm. The sort of mech action game that was previously a Switch exclusive published by Nintendo. Yep. That's sort of been brought to the PC a little while ago, I think sometime last year, uh, with Xseed Games' help uh, for that. And it's going to come into the Epic Game Store. It's going to be free uh, for about a week there, January 27th to the February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. So you can grab that if you have it on have a Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. Worth checking out. Let's see. Oh, yeah, Banjo-Kazooie is already out now on Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack for the N64 app there. Mm. And along with that, uh, they announced that they are bringing The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask out in February. Mm. No date, just a month. So that's about as much as uh, we can say. But from what I've heard, they have put out an update to make The Legend of Zelda... Ocarina of Time uh, work a little bit better mm-hmm. on the emulation front. I don't know if it's perfect now or what, but I believe they have improved it somewhat. So hopefully that means when Majora's Mask is out, that uh, runs pretty well as well. So there you go. Mm-hmm. As they continue this one a month on the N64 games, we could get Genesis games whenever the hell they want. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much to say about the drip feed, about the, and how how NSO works, but Majora's Mask is a fantastic game if you haven't played it yet. And, yeah, um, can be incredibly frustrating in part. I will, I will warn about that. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's my series favorite, but yeah, I I, I can understand where it's frustrating, and like that to me is where it defers, just because like I thought. Ocarina of Time, as as great as it was, could have been more challenging, and Majora's Mask did that for me, and it didn't mm-hmm. it did it without a whole lot of bloat either. But anyway, yeah, like what I was gonna say was like a lot of games in that era are very very dated, but mm-hmm. somehow you know Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. But if there's any people that haven't played it yet and have a Switch, that would be your chance. Mm. Yeah, I the 3DS, so I don't really feel too much of a need to pay the. 50 bucks for this thing. Even with the discount for already having the regular NSO, uh, that the price of which keeps going up the longer I wait to do it, because so, it's going to be 50 bucks either way mm-hmm. for that increase. So it doesn't really matter at this point. But Plus, the 3DS version is actually you know made for 3DS. So mm-hmm. Yeah, they actually adapted it for a controller that has four buttons, four face buttons. Mm-hmm. versus trying to adapt the N64 controls to a controller that has four face buttons. Mm. There's really kind of weird uh, emulation stuff they got going on there. Mm-hmm. Which is why they put out a conveniently uh, expensive you know, N64 Bluetooth controller for that thing that uh, seems cool, but it's very expensive and very much limited in use since mm-hmm. you can't really I don't think you can really use it for much else on the system outside of like Super Mario 64 in that collection mm-hmm. but yeah speaking of old games on the Switch uh, the Kingdom Hearts uh, 
various collections are coming to the Switch on February 10th. Oh, yeah. Yes, all they of are. Them, all of them cloud versions, even the yep. uh, the remasters that are of the PS2 and uh, PSP and DS and mobile and GBA games uh, will not be native versions for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, their prices are fairly expensive for that. Yep. Uh, let's see. 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix Cloud version is $40 with a discount uh, for launch maybe sometime after. I don't know exactly when that ends, but it's 20% off, so about $32. Bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue Cloud version is $49.99 with a uh, $39.99 discounted price for uh, the pre-order. Mm-hmm. If you want to get three Plus Remind Cloud version, that is also $49.99. Again, with the 20% discount, that makes it $39.99 uh, to mm. pre-order. As well as you can get the Kingdom Hearts Integra Masterpiece for Cloud version. That is all, all three collections together for mm. $89.99, which is $71.99 discounted price. Uh, which is very expensive. That's to also couch that in the uh, the PS4 versions of these games. These collections are $10 more than this. So you're kind of getting a discount, but also those came out so long ago that when they go on sale, mm. uh, the collection includes all three is like 25 bucks versus paying 72 bucks to have it in the cloud for the Switch, which mm. means it's not that portable unless you carry like a personal Wi-Fi hotspot thing with you. Uh, so Square Enix kind of did the Square Enix thing, which is price these things at a premium, mm-hmm. despite them having the obvious limitations of you having to be on the internet at all times to play them. Mm. Yeah. And there are demos for these, but I can't imagine they are good demos because those games take a while to get going. Yes, they do. Um, keep in mind, I'm somebody who loves the Kingdom Hearts series, but you know, the first one especially is a bit of a slow burn because it takes a lot of time on that, well, that island until the story really kicks off. And that's if you get through the race and all that quickly. Yeah, and then especially Kingdom Hearts too, because that one you spend all that time you know, with Roxas in that city. Um, so, yeah, those first two games, yeah, the takes a while for them to really take off. So, so those demos a, are kind of useless. Yeah. Other than just testing your network capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't even really know, like, who signs off on, like, these games, these cloud games being being made for the Switch. Like, I totally get the idea especially if, like, the Switch is all you have. But at the same time, like, the Switch is not, isn't a platform that is online 24-7. Like, you know, yeah. if, if, it was, if, if it was, like, a mobile device, yeah, it would make more sense, you know, like, especially with, like, with what Xbox wants to do with, uh, um, what's, what's Game Pass or whatever it is, like, their, their, their xCloud thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it was something, something like that, yeah, it would make more sense. But seeing seeing as how like you're limited to to your your wireless network, whether it be, uh, you know, at home or at work or on a bus, like your options here are fairly limited. And I don't know why you'd want to play Kingdom Hearts 
you know, for that limited period of time, considering that these are huge, huge games. So, yeah, I'm interested in seeing the analytics as to how cloud games even perform on the Switch as far as, like, their audiences go, because I don't even know who they're catering to. These are catering to Kingdom Hearts fans that want to spend money at any point, mm-hmm. and the notion of it being on a Switch <laughs> is appealing, even though there are the obvious limitations. Mm to that, which I've seen a lot of people not being happy about that. If you want to support Square Enix Nintendo games, you know, you have Project Strategy, you have Triangle Strategy coming out later this year, you have Bravely Default 2, you have Octopath Traveler, you have all this stuff that you can totally support that's made specifically for your Switch. This Kingdom Hearts thing, I I, I would... Mm. Yeah, but that's the Square Enix magic there. Yep. Which is, there's always a 50-50 chance it's going to have some horrible catch to them mm-hmm. doing the thing you want. Which is like, oh, we get Kingdom Hearts on the Switch. Also, it's the cloud version, so it's not the portable thing you want. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've played the demos for, I think it was uh, Control. And literally, it takes you a while to get to like anything that you would want to try out on a cloud version. So I'm literally just sprinting through the halls of the uh, the Bureau, trying to get to the point where I can actually play the game. You get five minutes, I think, on that one. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. different on the Kingdom Hearts. All the demos are out now for that, so if you want to try it out, see how it works, you can. Uh, but yeah, that's like, you know, not fun to be like, oh, my demo is me sprinting through this game as fast as possible in the hopes of actually seeing the game. Because five minutes mm-hmm. is ridiculous for most games these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the the thing there, and I think it's all through Nintendo and whoever they're partnering with for the cloud mm-hmm. stuff for these games. I don't know what the specifics are on that, but yeah, that is uh that is that that'll be out here in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see how those uh, final. Uh, you know, those final releases look like. Yeah, I'll say. But yeah, speaking of final releases, Soul Cresta finally has a release date after mm-hmm. Platinum had to delay that. Yep. Uh, for a bit, and yeah, it is uh, going to be February twenty second. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shmup sort of follow up to like Moon Cresta. Yep. And I forget what the other one was. Uh, I think there were two other games before Soul yep. Quest. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, thirty nine ninety nine for that on the PS4, Switch, and Steam. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, it looks great, too. Uh, definitely, if you love your hardcore arcade shmups, this is definitely something you're going to Yep, kind of getting a more premium modern shmup there. Mm-hmm. For that, uh, but yeah, also let's see. The Life is Strange Remaster Collection is going to be out February first, mm-hmm. uh, except if you're on the Switch. Uh, they have announced another delay for that mm-hmm. to later in 2022. No specific date. Mm. So, unfortunately, you are going to have to wait a good bit. I'm guessing they just must be having some sort of development issues there. Mm-hmm that are causing uh, some delays for the Switch version specifically. Uh, So 
yeah, unfortunately, hopefully they do get things sorted for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, everything else, PS4, Xbox One, PC, which is Steam, and uh, Stadia versions will be launching February 1st as planned. It's uh, about a week mm-hmm. and a half away there. So there you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the last dates we have here is Lego Star Wars. The Skywalker Saga is finally coming out. It'll be April 5th. Uh, it's on uh, every platform out there, PS5, PS4, all the Xboxes, Switch, and Steam. Mm-hmm. And that sort of news also came with the uh, follow-up news that the sort of constant delays of this game has just led to extensive crunch at mm-hmm. uh, TT Games. I think it's, uh, I forget what the, Traveler's Tales games. Uh, that has been working on most of these Lego games. Uh, that mm-hmm. uh, basically the the way that uh, people like to think delays are sort of a means of giving the devs more time to get those to keep working on those games in a more reasonable fashion. But mm-hmm. oftentimes it is just a means of keeping the crunch they were going through going mm. for extended amount of time and. That seems to be very much the case for this game, uh, especially talking about how the uh, the head of the studio. Let me see if I can find his name here. Uh, that he very much is uh, one of those bosses. Yeah, John Burton, co-founder mm-hmm. and creative director at TT Games. Yeah, uh, saying he would often yell at staff to return to the desk if they tried to leave work on time. Yeah, that he regularly expected employees to put in extra hours. Others, meanwhile, remember leads following employees out of the studio to question their reasons for leaving and their loyalty to the job. Uh, you know, that kind of... Yeah, one of those there. assholes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you must not be very dedicated to this project if you're leaving at, you know, five or six o'clock to yeah. go home and be a normal person. Mm-hmm. And probably passing promotions for those kinds of people to those that, you know, slave away and work until late in the night to finish mm-hmm. whatever they're doing. That is uh, not a very good way to make games. Uh, especially uh, in a more of a humane fashion. Especially mm. not great for stuff like these Lego games where they are very kind of designed to be very repetitive games. Mm-hmm. We're just replaying them over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine how much work has to go into facilitating that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you're doing this game where it's like, oh, it's got, it's like nine games in one for each of the movies. That's a, a shitload of content. Cause it's not just, here's the, the same stuff that was in, you know, the Lego star Wars games and the other stuff they've made. And then added some new stuff for the newer movies, that kind of stuff. Mm. Seems to be largely all new content redesigned to have this one cohesive package and yeah that's not uh great news to have mm-hmm. yeah yeah think even with the delays that you they'd be able to address the crunch situation i mean i've never worked at a at, on a on a single player game before so i'm not gonna act like i know what's going on but like you know you kind of wonder if it's like if it's a qa issue if it's something that you know disney or star wars didn't like with the way that lego handled something in, in in the story or whatever it may be. Maybe it's some, some code that uh, re-engineered some stuff at the beginning that fucked everything up. It's 
it's it's just it's just weird. So um, I don't know. Hopefully they they get out of, out of it soon because those Lego games are always fun. Yeah, I think it's just there's a ton of content to work on mm-hmm. with these games that uh, it's not always easy to just get it finished quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the thing that happens for every game out there. But yeah, oftentimes I think the what was his name? Mark Dara, the mm-hmm. one of the uh, Bioware guys who worked there for a long time and recently put out a video basically talking about how, you know, Bioware Magic was just a uh, a cutesy name to put on bad development practices. Yeah. Of expecting people to just continuously crunch and work on a game mm-hmm. until it actually turns good instead of trying to do good work, you know, as quickly as soon as possible, get the good work going. Mm-hmm. Versus just kind of the... It's the same thing with Valve time. Yeah. Where it's like... It's not really that much magic to taking forever to make a game. It's because there are problems and nobody's able to figure out the quickest way to actually solve those mm-hmm. issues so that they can, you know, get into a groove mm-hmm. for finishing those games. And especially Valve... They kind of have so much freedom to do whatever that they oftentimes just stop working on a game for extended periods of time because people find other things they want to do more than, you know, dig their heels in on this project that isn't going well. Mm -hmm. That's why they never get to a third game in a series. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, unfortunate news here. So there's still a lot of stuff in this article if you want to read it uh, for more things. Yeah. You know, pay, pay gap issues for gender, uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm. QA tester issues. Yeah. Pressure to keep working more hours, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, yeah, it's well worth checking out this whole article. It's pretty long mm. uh, for that. But luckily, it seemed to be in uh, new management. So uh, hopefully that's has helped them out here in the past year or so. So yeah, that's uh, hopefully good news here as they finish up the game. But yeah, that is uh, that is it for that story. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get to the biggest story of the week. Holy shit, yes. Microsoft announced their newest acquisition. Fresh off of, I think, the Bethesda one finished late last year. Yep. Uh, they announced that they are paying a 68.7 billion dollars to acquire Activision Blizzard. That's right. It's technically Activision Blizzard King. Yep. But yeah, I saw that Monday and I was like, what? Is this an onion article? Nope. Then I looked. Was it it was not from, an onion article at all. There's a microsoft.com article. It's like, oh, we're bringing all the communities together. And all this, and I was like, that's some PRS title right there. Oh, yes, of course. On this, but yeah, they have acquired Activision Blizzard for nearly $69 billion in mm-hmm. a hell of a thing. Uh, the biggest acquisition by far. Uh, the one we talked mm-hmm. about last week with Take Two and Zynga, that was the biggest ever in the gaming industry's history. Yeah. And this one is over five times bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about just over five times bigger. So yeah, they get uh, all of the Activision properties 
uh, mm-hmm. Call of Duty, Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, all these various things, Blizzard stuff, yep. World of Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, yep. Starcraft, and King, which, you know, Candy Crush and a handful of other uh, major properties they have. Yeah. To that, and yeah, the it is a very huge move, and it very much seems like a very Microsoft move, because I yeah. kept seeing people trying to put pr- them pr- like, oh, they're, they're the third in the gaming industry, and it's like, yeah, but they're the second biggest corporation in the entire world. Yeah. No matter what's going on in the gaming industry, they are the second biggest company in the world. That, yeah. uh, and this is a move that's backed up by that. Yeah. Because I don't think Xbox alone would be able to afford this kind of deal. Mm-mm. And I mean, this is nearly 10 times more than the big uh, Bethesda deal we talked about a year and a half ago, probably, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a much bigger deal because you last year in North America, the number one game uh, for 2021 in sales is Call of Duty Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Number two is the previous Call of Duty game, Black Ops Cold War. Mm. That is why Microsoft is making this deal because it gives them two of the biggest games, or the uh, the biggest games that come out every year have been for the past 15 years at this point mm. since Call of Duty 4 came out. And yeah, it gives them a, a huge foothold in you know being a huge corporation now with something yep. like 30 developers, I think. Mm-hmm. It is a ridiculous number of properties and teams and such that they will have at their disposal, but it seems like this deal is going to take a good year to year and a half yeah. to close. So if you're hoping to know anything about what this looks like on the other end, you're going to be waiting for a while. Yeah, probably a good year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a $69 billion acquisition. Uh, that's yeah. a nice amount of cash. But um, anyway, that being said, um, yeah, just because of the amounts alone and the sheer amount of studios and employees that Activision Blizzard has, um, yeah, of course, it'll take time for the ink to dry. And, you know, um, not really going to say that I'm in a position to know whether this is good or bad for the industry. Um, but <clears throat> it is definitely a uh, powerful move by Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny that um, people say that, you know, Microsoft and PlayStation, or, or Sony, rather, are in constant uh, competition. I mean, it, it really isn't. It just shows the amount of resources that Microsoft has at their disposal. Mm-hmm. And, like, my uh, respect um, for them as a company, like, really rose as soon as I watched the, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, the um, the Power On History of Xbox uh, documentary they have on uh, YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how how it shows, like, you know, how, how they came to be, um, how, like, everybody in the Windows division didn't even, like, respect Xbox for what it was, and, like, now here they are, you know, doing what they do. Um, while also, um, at this point in time, like, being a favorable company for gamers, like being for right now being gamer centric. Um, but yeah, if you ask me, like, this is definitely something to really influence gamers in general to, you know, if, if you're not going to get on Xbox, then somehow you got to, you know, get your butts on Game Pass because Game Pass will continue to be a crazy value. And mm-hmm. not only that, like, once they eventually accomplish their goal with their subscriptions, then. Yeah, you know, it's probably going to be time to raise the prices, which they actually tried to do last year before, uh, or what was was it two years ago? They caved and decided not to. But 
as they continue to add more value to the to the subscription, that, that that's something they'll eventually um, have to do, and it will be inevitable. So I'm I'm wondering how that will uh, take shape uh, along the course of uh, the ink drying. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna talk about Kodak in, in in a minute, but you know, the, despite what everyone's saying about Kodak returning and whatnot, I just don't see that happening. Normally, mm-hmm. the the company that gets bought doesn't see any of their huge leadership at the top come back because that usually get gets them paid and pursue other mm-hmm. ventures. And as we know with gaming, there's a another popular trend that's that's happening that that has three letters that I'll talk about or that I don't want to talk about yet. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, but yeah, that's that that's my thing on that. And uh, I think it's it's a pretty crazy move just because like Microsoft has really. Or, or Xbox has really like you know has the market cornered as far as like the, the first person shooter stuff, and you add Call of Duty, you add something something like Overwatch to their portfolio. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's amazing. Although they they did say that, um, and I think we'll we'll go over it in a bit that some of the games will continue to be multi platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the the weird thing seeing out of this, I was reading an article on Kotaku that was basically saying like. Oh yeah, all the the stocks for all the other major publishers went up right after mm-hmm. this, as their stockholders sort of salivated over the possibility of getting bought out uh, for a good amount of money. I was like, oh, I really hope that doesn't happen, where the the major publishers get divided up between you know Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, which I don't know that that would necessarily happen because I don't think. Nintendo and Sony are necessarily interested in dividing things up that way. Uh, and I don't know that it's, there are like any tech companies that would necessarily be great about that either. Cause we've seen, you know, Amazon and Google and Apple sort of try to move into the gaming industry and generally fail because they do not have the determination or the interest in the investment that it takes to build up studios and infrastructure to publish games mm-hmm. yeah the, the buying power for like you know first parties and and you know um, acquiring third parties is a really popular conversation right now and a lot of people are bringing up companies such as like you know nintendo sony capcom um square enix um but i correct me if, if i'm wrong but i think there's actually a law in japan that um prevents uh certain hostile takeovers from happening like i think if you wanted to buy a company like capcom like you do have to be like you know uh, a majority. If you're an outside, mm-hmm. if you're a Western company, you probably have more hurdles than if like a Sony or Nintendo wanted to purchase. Exactly. You know, Capcom, Sega, Namco, Bandai, mm-hmm. Konami, Square Enix, whatever. Those are probably easier to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the the market caps for some of those companies maybe aren't even all that great for certain companies. I think Sega's like. Smaller than Bethesda's. Mm-hmm. You might think, well, that's that can't be the case with Sonic, but it's like Sonic hasn't been a big deal in 20 years since Sonic Adventure. Uh, it's not really a tentpole release. They like to play that up like it is because it's a nostalgia thing, but Sega these days deals in a lot of uh, smaller games mm. for the most part. Uh, Konami like barely is doing games at this point. They're constantly rumored to be remaking, hiring outside companies to 
remake, you know, Metal Gear Solid or Silent Hill or whatever. So it's like you're just buying IPs essentially out of them. You know, an EA would be an interesting company to acquire, but you're also they're heavily reliant on licenses. Mm-hmm. So like all their sports games, I believe, would probably come with catches that they have to be released on all the platforms that are possible to release on. Uh, so the notion of exclusivity there would not be as likely, especially when mm. now they've you know acquired Codemasters, which means you got F1 racing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, it's like people are trying to dream up scenarios of how this stuff gets divided, sort of like the 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 movie and TV uh, industry, the Hollywood uh, mm. industry, like has done to itself, and like that's generally not done very well because now everybody wants to have their streaming service. And then you see like, okay, you got Paramount plus and Peacock that are nothing. Nobody really cares about them unless you have a specific interest in like star Trek or whatever Peacock has, uh, which is not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you got your HBO maxes and your Disney pluses and Netflixes that are, and Hulu that are kind of all the the big ones. And two of those are owned by the same company. You know, Netflix is the one independent entity. And even they're taking a bloodbath as their recent uh, stock or their recent like financial details show like, oh yeah, they are not doing well because they don't have, you know, the Disney properties to bring people in or the HBO properties, that kind of stuff. And they're mm. finding it hard to compete which I don't know if that's why they raise their prices or what, but it's been interesting seeing how that stuff is kind of being taken in ways that, uh, you know, it's kind of a uh, kind of sad that there's not as much variety of things going on in there, at least in terms of places you can get content. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of platforms that are just searching for content to put on there because they don't have enough. Mm to justify whatever prices they're asking for. If you want everything, it's kind of a weird place to be at, uh, which is why it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And I don't really want the games business. I like the, the more independent uh, entities going on uh, with the, the various big publishers and mid publishers and even indie publishers out there that are kind of keeping a great amount of variety versus, you know, the, the sort of uh, Hollywood infrastructure, which is all about big blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Trying to find the next big property like Dune to turn mm-hmm. into a major, pub, uh, you know, major uh, thing. As in games, we can kind of have more big and small games. Oh, yeah. And medium-sized games in a way that I think is in a much healthier place than the than Hollywood can ever be at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's would be a shame to kind of divide everything up so that uh, these, these games you've been able to get regardless of which platform you're on generally mm-hmm. uh, ends up becoming the reason why you have to buy every platform. Mm. But yeah, that's uh we'll get to some more of the MS news now. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Now that uh, people have had to talk about this after the announcement. Mm-hmm. 
we have Microsoft CEO uh, Satya Nadella. Yeah. Having to kiss Bobby Kotick's ass so much in a way that is a bit too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, suggesting, let's see, over more than 30 years as CEO of Activision Blizzard, Bobby Kotick has built the company into one of the world's most successful, influential entertainment companies. And I'm grateful to his leadership and commitment to real cultural change. Yeah, it's corporate talk, basically. Which is like, you do not have to go that far in you know, being nice when what you're saying about him. Mm-hmm. Cause he has no real cultural, uh, real commitment to culture change in that no. company. That's why they're selling it off. Mm-hmm. This is the easiest way they can try to launder that stink off of them, of their mm-hmm. harassment lawsuits and union stuff going on. Yep. And all that. So yeah, this is, uh, not a great thing. Uh, but yeah, as we talk more about Kodak here, uh, before this whole thing happened, there were various other ways that they were exploring uh, trying to clean up their image. And mm-hmm. one of them is that Bobby Kodak had the bright idea to buy a gaming website to change their public narrative. Yep. Something like a Kotaku or PC Gamer, which was a, mm-hmm. a very funny idea to buy Kotaku for that reason. Which then some of the people at Kotaku uh, brought up uh, an April Fool's joke they made some time ago about you know changing their name to Kotiku. They're mm-hmm. going to be in the Bobby Kotick blog. That mm. now has been brought up as a oh yeah this uh, this is a thing that I guess could have happened that they were going to buy some company uh, somebody's uh, website to. Say nice things about them because they can't get anybody to say anything nice about them. Mm-hmm. You know, very kind of Robert Murdoch kind of move to do your own media because you can't get nice things to be said about you. But yeah, that luckily that never happened. Mm-hmm. Like there are also some, also some some rumor stuff going around that like. Yeah, there were talks with like Facebook or Google or somebody else that was going to potentially acquire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know if that was stuff was kind of released as like a see Microsoft is better actually. Mm-hmm. Which is like I guess, but that's still not great news either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, and yeah, we got some more details about some of the uh, reasons why that this is all happening on Bobby Kotick's end is that kind of, he had less leverage in these talks than uh, you might think. Yeah. A, uh, particularly with all of the bad news and such that, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, not going to be super easy for him to uh, talk to a board that, you know, is only, behind him as a means of making money. And then there's this opportunity mm-hmm. to make a lot of bets and get rid of him at the same time. <laughs> well, they're willing to do that because they will get a good chunk of this $69 billion mm-hmm. with them. Uh, and they don't no longer have to deal with this pesky PR problem that they have. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what they think. Because even though, even if Coda gets thrown out, still, 
institutional problems that they'll still have to deal with. Yeah. And sort of the unfortunate news of this is that all of that stuff stays in limbo for at least another year. Mm -hmm. So any sort of actual change that could happen is not really going to happen in, you know, a foundational sense. Uh, I think Blizzard put out a blog post basically like, here are things we're trying to change for 2021 or 2022, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's great. It would have been nice if you had done that, you know, earlier instead of letting it get to this point. But yeah, that's. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's really only, only two things that can happen. One is uh, Microsoft pulls out of the deal, and I don't think they want to do that. Yeah. And uh, two is another buyer um, offers more money. And I doubt anyone has $69 billion to want to invest in a gaming company as big as active. I, I, I doubt that'll actually be a thing. But, you know, um, as far as, like, getting rid of Kodak goes, like, yeah, um, you kind of the controversy doesn't necessarily end because a lot of this stuff is systemic throughout all the studios and they want to find a way to, like, change the dynamic there. But, like... Just from the way that Microsoft has carried themselves out of the last few years with Bill Spencer at the helm, you know, um, I have no doubt that they can do that, and it's within the within their own realm of possibility. Yeah. Uh, whether they can do that in a year, I highly doubt. But you know, these things take time, and you know, time can heal all sorts of wounds. You know, um, Kodak uh, himself may, may maybe not, but at the same time, you know, rich rich people think differently, and uh, he can end up somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, he will get the biggest parachute possible to get a long-term vacation. Mm -hmm. Until he gets bored and joins some company's board mm. to give his expertise as the man who, you know, built the biggest uh, property in video games, at least on a yearly basis. But yeah, that's uh. And I don't know that Microsoft necessarily is going to be able to do a ton because they have their own issues as well. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of these things. And they'll definitely have their work cutting out to get through all the, the regulations and government people going through this acquisition with a fine-tooth comb, making sure it's above board and all that. As sort of the, the Biden administration has made, you know, being more scrutinizing of, you know, huge acquisitions, uh, a centerpiece for their uh, sort of FTC improvements with uh, as soon as, uh, you know, Joe Biden got into office. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a great time to be doing this, but it at least means that, you know, if you're afraid of Microsoft buying more big publishers, that's going to be not a thing for quite a while, mm -hmm. or at least a year and a half or so. It doesn't prevent anybody else from doing stuff, but I don't know who else would be uh, all up for that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Wow. But yeah, Bobby Kodak is still going to be the head of this company until the uh, the sale is final. That's yeah. just the way this stuff works. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get anybody to go on the record as saying, like, yeah, he's not sticking around. Mm-hmm. Because that's just not what you do in these sort of acquisitions. Nope. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of that aspect of it. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he has to stick along, and as well as the the various like Bush uh, torture apologists and mm -hmm. Trump apologists they've had they've hired on to be in 
uh, major executive roles, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, though they ran one of them off after Bobby Kotick, you know, put out his own message under uh, whatever her name was, Fran, uh, whatever her name mm-hmm. is, but put it under her name. And it's like, ah, she left pretty quickly after that. Yeah. So there's one gone, but, you know, the board will probably be gone as well because they'll just be integrated into, I guess, just the the teams themselves will just be teams within Xbox. Unlike Bethesda, which tend, they try to separate as a you know, separate entity that can run mm-hmm. itself the way they do it. Seems like this will be like we're just cutting off the head and placing their entrails amongst ours as neatly as we can. Mm. Uh, but yeah, as everybody's been obsessed about, like, what about Call of Duty on PlayStation? Is it going to be exclusive to Xbox? Like, no, of course not. Well, the thing is, nobody can say anything about that. Like, Codex status. Nobody's going to be able to say anything about the those plans for the time that this, you know, deal is in the air. Uh, but you know, Phil Spencer and PlayStation have basically said the same thing: is like, yeah, we're going to honor all existing contracts we've signed, all this kind of stuff. We have no plans of removing games from, uh, you know, PlayStation Network and Nintendo and all that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, like any deals that are signed, uh, you know, are going to stay signed. We're not going to renege on that stuff and go through all potential legal issues for, you know, reneging on contracts like that. So the Call of Duty that's going to launch this year, that's most mm-hmm. likely still going to happen unless this deal somehow, even then they're spending way too much time. They've been working on that game for three years now. Yep. They're not going to cancel the PlayStation versions and the money that comes with that. Mm-hmm. At the last minute, that would be a very weird thing to do as you're still in the middle of this deal. Mm-hmm. Next year's might also be in the bag to be on PlayStation as well. Uh, that'll be uh, a likely thing to happen. The The thing that works well for Xbox is that Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 are still not going to be coming out until next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have announced platforms for those games yet specifically mm. i could double check uh the playstation blog might have an overwatch 2 article mm-hmm. on it i could double check that might be a thing uh yeah with the most recent results yeah maybe not maybe they haven't officially announced it for that yet yeah could just be search issues mm-hmm. uh but yeah that's uh I could just go to Blizzard. Yeah, Diablo 2, the Resurrected, is the, the last thing they've... Okay, no, Overwatch 2. Yeah, there's some Overwatch 2 stuff here. It's just been that long ago. This is literally from 2019. Mm-hmm. For how long they've been talking about this game. That's kind of that. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably still going to happen on PlayStation because they probably signed deals to get those game that game on there. Diablo 4, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That game seems like it's been the most kind of murky mm-hmm. uh, as far as like what platforms is going to be on. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they've only announced it for PC for the time mm. being. Uh, so that could be up in the air, but the the way that Blizzard, Blizzard games are so far out at this point, they've been just constantly delaying them. Mm-hmm. That's 
it might end up eventually working in Xbox's favor and that there's not going to be that many games that they have to keep on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. They'll keep Warzone on there that will eventually become a giant advertising for maybe getting Call of Duty on Xbox as a result. But that game is such a weird mishmash of the, it's like three games worth of code in there mm-hmm. from three different developers that I think the, there are people that are saying that modern warfare is uh, kind of impossible to play on mm-hmm. any of the consoles or PC. Cause it's just all this war zone integration is just kind of made it a huge buggy mess at this point. Yep. Which is like, I don't know why they wouldn't have invested in bringing that game to uh, like separating it from being a huge messy install on every platform it's on. Mm-hmm. So there could be a standalone thing that, you know, can be as modifiable as, you know, Fortnite or Apex Legends or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, there's I think that stuff is still completely up in the air. And as Microsoft has shown with Bethesda, they're not beholden to keeping plat- uh, franchises that have been on multiple platforms mm-hmm. on multiple platforms in the future. Stuff that's been on PlayStation and uh, Switch and uh, that's for you know the past few years will stay mm-hmm. there, but new new titles will probably stay on Xbox. Mm. And that seems to be largely as much as they can say is like ah oh, this you know it's they're going to exa- honor all existing commitments post close, which does not mean anything. Mm-hmm. As means the deals we've signed, we're going to keep with that. Mm-hmm. And everything beyond that, who knows. People keep bringing up Minecraft, but it was already on PlayStation before they got announced by or acquired by Microsoft. Though they did bring it to Switch and Wii U after that at some point, and mm. they did put Minecraft Dungeons, but I think it's also more of a play to you know, there are a lot of people that play Minecraft on all the platforms, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. And so they'll they'll do that stuff when it makes sense, mm. it's to their advantage. But if you can keep all of the call of duty money on your platforms. They very well might keep it on their platforms mm-hmm. when they no longer have to, you know, put it on PlayStation. So yeah. who knows? Maybe they just straight up sign a deal. Like, Hey, we'll give you this much money to keep it on. Keep releasing them on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. That could very well happen. Then Microsoft can make strategic deals to, I think it was like Starfield and that be like, yeah, we're not going to, we're going to sacrifice that money because we're Microsoft and we can, Mm-hmm. You know, we can handle losing potentially like half a mil- half a billion dollars of sales mm-hmm. on PlayStation and whatnot. Right. But yeah, the, but yeah, the I think the interesting thing is that Microsoft will be able to, in a good way, uh, free up those support studios to be able to work on other things uh, in a way that you know Activision never would because Call of Duty makes a shitload of money, and these other games maybe sell pretty good but they're not going to bring in call of duty money mm-hmm. so why not throw toys for bob and neversoft and these other studios that have a lot of talent that you know could make good platformers and rhythm games and whatever else they want skateboarding games and all that mm-hmm. but what if we just put them on the games that make the most money so they can keep making the most money microsoft they don't necessarily have to they can say hey toys for bob uh, you want to make a new, you know, Spiral the Dragon game? Be exclusive to Xbox? Go ahead and do it. 
So yeah. we don't care if it does well or not. It's there for Game Pass. Like, you know, Psychonauts 2 does. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, same with Blizzard. That'll be the interesting thing, because what happens to Battle.net? Mm-hmm. They've already got their Xbox sort of Game Pass uh, platform on PC. They also release stuff on Steam. So it's like, do they release some, their stuff on... Uh, Battle.net will probably still be the the home for... You know, battle, uh, battle net stuff. You know, StarCraft two and StarCraft and World mm-hmm. of Warcraft and all that. But it's like, do they put it out on Steam, the their next stuff, and open up uh, people's access to that on Steam at least? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they put WoW as a Game Pass Ultimate perk? You get a free subscription to that if you're on Game Pass Ultimate. Mm-hmm. So that you have the opportunity to spend money on that. I don't know there's a there's a lot of potential for that stuff. Though having it because a lot of those games are still tied into Battle.net as a you know a network infrastructure, sort of how that all works in tying it to Xbox Live and all that. So I don't know. Mm. Again, a lot of questions on how things will work and no answers. Yep. Until 2023. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we do have some good news here in that the QA at Raven Software yep. have voted to form their own union. Yep. Calling themselves the Game Workers Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the stage of asking Activision Blizzard to uh, recognize the union. Yeah, and what's probably going to happen, as normally happens, is there's going to be this sort of Sort of a theatrical act where they're going to say, you know, going to say, we respect our workers, but we can't recognize this union. So then they're going to have to actually get like a official union count going. And then, or if it's Activision we're talking about, it's completely possible they'll just sack a lot of them because they're QA. Yeah. And they're on contract basis right now, anyway. Mm hmm. I mean, there's also a risk that, you know, once the Microsoft acquisition goes, they end up dropping these guys like a hot potato. Yeah. You know, and not just them, but a good chunk of the company. And that's why I think people are hoping to bring more uh, Raven software workers into the union. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the- and I certainly hope they pull it off because, yeah. you know, this uh, is definitely something that needs to happen the gaming industry. Um, yep. Far too many people have, uh, you know, ha- ter- far too many people have been terribly exploited by this industry and they deserve to have a voice in how it's controlled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, actually working in the industry, like, it's it's weird when people people be like, oh, yeah, so you're paid to play games all day? And, like, but no. Awesome. <laughs> And no, like I, I, as awesome as that sounds, if that actually was your job, that would suck because yeah. the thing about QA is that they're not actually paid to play the game. Yeah, they're paid to play the game, but their job is to look for bugs by doing like stupid yeah. shit, like jumping off cliffs or run, running into random corners looking for invisible walls, trying to. And then them. when they do find those bugs, they have to basically write it down as precisely as they possibly can. And keep in mind, early in development, when they're QAing, you know, there's a uh, there's. Hundreds, if not thousands, of pages of that shit. 
Yeah, exactly. Like not to mention, so they're they're writing it down and they have to write it down in, in such a way where their problems are easily shown. Right? Yeah. Like where, like anybody can perform them. And sometimes, like you know, some some games for whatever reason don't like aren't all consistently made. Like they're they're like pants. You know, not every mm-hmm. pants is going to be a size thirty four. Or, like you know, between Levi's or you know H and M, it's always going to be a little yeah. bit different. So. And I can tell you this much: as far as game goes, if there is one group that is shockingly underpaid it's qa because they're worth far more than they're paid yeah i i i made more in retail than i've seen some of some of these qa people paid so. mm-hmm. yeah and it would be a big deal to get this union going at a company the the biggest publisher in the industry mm-hmm. uh in the process of them getting acquired by another uh big publisher big platform holder mm-hmm uh, the second biggest, uh, you know, company in the world. Yeah. And see how and, that kind of deals with all this, throws a, a wrench in there. Yeah. And, you know, if they can get, like, AFL-CIO a big boon for them, so. Yeah, I think there's been an article about Phil Spencer sort of responding to union talk, being like, I've never been in a union. Uh-huh. I've been in Microsoft for 30 years, like, yeah, of course you haven't been in the union. You work for Microsoft and have for 30 years. And they're one of the biggest companies around. Yeah. They haven't had any need to fight for anything mm-hmm. in probably most of the positions he's been in for the last like yeah. years. Uh, where he's been, you know, near the top of their first party development group mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, becoming the head of Xbox itself. Yeah. He's yeah. not, you know, he's never, I, I don't think he's ever been like one of the lowly coders or hell, one of the not people. Not for a that long have, time. Yeah, least. not for a long ass time, or especially not one of the people that actually mine the fucking minerals to make their technology. So, yeah, yeah, of course he has no need for a union. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's, you know, that guy that's, you know, so many people on you know, various message boards and Twitter and whatnot. Treat him like he's, you know, the the good guy at the head of this company. And it's like... I mean, compared to some of the others, he is, but that's not exactly the biggest hurdle to get over. Yeah, there's not a ton of difference between him and Bobby Kotick. He's just been better at uh, hiding his, his flaws and making yeah. you think he is the good guy that wants everything to be better. He just knows how to speak in a way that isn't like a ridiculous, you know, ridiculously rich, out of touch CEO like Bobby Kotick is. Yeah. He's good at making that money, but not... He's good at making money, and he's definitely a bit more grounded than Kotick, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, At the end of the day, he's still, you know, management a giant billion-dollar corporation that has to pay people for a wage that they then take much of the money for and use as profit. This yeah. is capital. This is how capitalism works. Yeah. And now he's in charge of, you know, 30 companies or will be in charge of, you know, 30 separate companies worth of people. Yeah. Tens of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe their lives will be better. I don't know. They seem to, a lot of the people who are involved in the ABK, you know, worker rights stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very much in like we're in a holding pattern at this point. Yeah, 
waiting until whatever's going to happen next because this essentially puts all their work on hold mm-hmm. for the time being. And yeah, that's kind of where they're at. It's like, yeah, we kind of have to wait till this goes through and then we have uh, somebody new to complain about. Yeah. Once the, the heads of Activision have their heads uh, quickly severed from their bodies. Sliced off and put on their pikes. Yeah. But on a pike made of gold that makes them even richer than they were before. Yeah. And no longer uh, responsible for the shit they've done. Yeah. Though there's still like lawsuits that are. Oh, yeah. Work through uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's. It's a huge, messy acquisition that is mm-hmm. going to take time. Unfortunately, people don't have time to, uh, or don't want to have to wait to get their uh, generally legit questions answered mm-hmm. on this stuff, but they will have to wait. Mm-hmm. But hey, this looks like it's going to be the biggest news of the year, and it's happened in the third week of yeah. 2022. So that's. Uh, Downhill from here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Nothing else can top this sort of acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, do you guys have anything else to say about the Microsoft and X- Activision Blizzard acquisition? Uh, honestly, the way this shit's going, don't be surprised to wake up one day and find out that some single company. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I have no doubt that this is probably going to be the biggest news story of the year. And we're in January 23. Yeah. Um, very likely that Sony could make a similar move, but they don't have anywhere near the capital that Microsoft does to close something mm. that meaningful. And honestly, like, if, if I were Sony, like, I wouldn't even really think about it. Like, at the same time, like, you have a good stranglehold on some of the best first parties in the market. And, you know, the third party support is still there. Um, Activision, like, you didn't even lose Activision yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's. There's still some time for this, and you have a lot of other stuff from the rest of your companies as well. So, yeah, but, um, as we've seen, their 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 stock price drops, so anything can happen. But I, I doubt you see it in the near future. But don't be surprised to see like you know more rumors of this kind of thing come up. And it's it's kind of reminiscent of what happened when um Microsoft acquired Rare and a whole bunch of other companies when when they were first getting started. But I don't know. This just feels different, just because like you know you have uh, the one and the two really competing for. Uh, it's you know sixty nine billion dollars got the attention of like every business, not just gamers. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be an interesting time to see how all this stuff sort of unfolds. Microsoft would be getting a hold of a very uh, extensive line of IPs and such uh, from nearly the beginning of the industry as. Mm-hmm. Again, Activision was the first independent developer. Uh, for, at least, in, at least in the Western gaming world. I mean, for any platform, probably, they, yeah. They were the first non-Atari developer for mm-hmm. the Atari uh, BCS. That then, uh, then the twenty six hundred after that. But uh, they made their mark on that stuff with Pitfall mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. You know, put their branding right in the games that Atari would not do uh, for letting you know who worked on those games. Mm-hmm. In a way, and, you know, they would get the Sierra stuff that is that they have acquired, uh, the Universal stuff, so Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon are now 
potentially just Xbox exclusive properties, which is weird. Having started as PlayStation properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they get all the Blizzard stuff. Uh, it would definitely be a big boon for Game Pass to get that stuff, you know, reworked mm-hmm. for modern machines to get a lot of their stuff on the Game Pass and all that. Yep. Uh, maybe they turn, I don't know, bet on it into more of a Game Pass thing. I don't know. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, irons in the fire for them at this point. Mm-hmm. A lot of potentially interesting IPs to work on. Of course, people are already sort of trying to marry IPs with devs. It's like, these devs are working on some other shit mm. uh, for the foreseeable future. So, but hey, now people can just make team should make this thing. And what if these guys, they can make a proper PC version of that game. They could actually have fucking StarCraft. Yeah. So here's the thing. Armature Wars Retro Evolved. It's on Steam. Mm-hmm. There are no online leaderboards. They never added achievements to it. They haven't really done a ton of like backlog stuff on uh, Game Pass so mm. much, PC Game Pass. Because like, even when they were available, like the older Forza stuff uh, before it got delisted was never added to Game Pass. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, here's the next one. That's on Game Pass. And Forza 7, I think, got added mm. at some point. So yeah, there's there's that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of potential. It's going to be interesting to see how some of this, but yeah, it feels very much like a Disney acquiring Fox kind of thing where it's like, well, shit, that seemed like a big deal. That is going to have ramifications for a long time mm-hmm. come as, you know, they wait for contracts and such. And so they can put all that Fox stuff on Disney plus and Hulu and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like I saw Disney plus just recently started getting some more Fox stuff in it. That was like, oh, this is weird to see mm. this now be a Disney thing. Because uh, I'm trying to look at that real quick. Uh, but it was like the, yeah, like some like kids' movie stuff. I think the Sandlot. I think it was the Fox thing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's like that is on there now as of the other day. Uh, a bunch of like kids of X Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Some of those kind of movies. The Fantastic Four stuff, which is like, those movies all suck. Why are they putting it on here? Mm. It's because it's back catalog stuff. They can do that. Mm. So they have all the X-Men stuff on here, the animated, the movie stuff. I think for the most part, okay, there's some of the more recent stuff they don't have. They got X-Men First Class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, X-Men, X2, and X-Men The Last Stand. I think there's a couple more movies they don't have on there, the spinoff stuff, but... That's what we're looking to do with, you know, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard is they come through all that stuff and figure out how to update it to work on their modern platforms and all that. So yeah, the the ramifications for what all this is going to have is going to be, you know, felt for years to come. So yeah, that is kind of going to be it for the show this week. Yep. Uh, thank you, Brandon Danred, for joining. Always. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. Mm-hmm. Hopefully with some more substantial amount of it, because there's still not much going on here. No, not really. I mean, keep in mind the, you know, February starts after next week. And, uh, well, that's going to be a very packed uh, month for releases. So 
Well, it's getting busy pretty soon. The Pokemon game's out later this week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I forget what else is coming out, but yeah, there's it's starting here pretty mm. soon. Yeah, it's starting. We're going to have Pokemon. We're going to have Sifu. Eventually, we're going to have Horizon, mm-hmm. the Tolkien game. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's uh, that's what's going to be happening here for the next few weeks. Hopefully get some news. Maybe not some industry-shattering stuff, but yeah, for the time being, uh, we will yeah be back next week with some more stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. And until then... Uh, you know, feel free to let uh, friends and uh, family and select strangers know that you enjoy the show and that they should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be back next week, and uh, we'll see you all next time. <laughs>